0: I believe that uh, the word that God has for us today is timely. I've always found it just like God when 99% of the time what God has already prepared my heart to preach as I do my preparation long before I get to this week for where we're going to go. And then when I see this stuff going on and I think, do I need to preach something different? And then I open up the notes and go, there it is. And so we are facing a storm And we are in Genesis 7. We are facing a flood. And we are in Genesis 7. 6 and 7. You might turn to 6 first. But James says that in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith without works and I will show your faith by my works. If faith does not change our appointment book, then it has no life. It has no depth, and ultimately it's not faith. Now remember, as we've been going through Genesis here, Enoch was a prophet, and he said what? The Lord is coming. That's our message. Listen, the Lord is coming. coming. Judgment is coming. And Enoch walked with God every day, and I believe that's why he knew something that others didn't know. And that's why he named his son, Methuselah, which means when he's gone, it will be sent. And after Methuselah died, it came. Methuselah had a son named Lamech. Lamech had a son named Noah. And as we've seen, as the sons of Cain moved away from the presence of God, they had relationships now we've seen with the daughters of Seth's line. And fewer and fewer out of Seth's line were calling on the name of the Lord. And we saw last week that Genesis 6, 5 says that every inclination of their heart was evil all the time. Look there, verse 13 of 6. Then God said to Noah, I have decided to put an end to every creature. And he said to Noah, make yourself an ark. Verse 14, he says, I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. Now, remember, we said this last week. But when this word came to Noah, he didn't have sons yet. But what did Noah do? Look at verse 22 of chapter 6. Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. And then we turn the page, if you will, to chapter 7. And if I were writing this story... I would imagine as we turn from chapter 6 into chapter 7, then we're going to find out about all the hard work that Noah did. We're going to find out about the struggle. We're going to find out about the faithfulness to work and to do all the hard stuff. And I can imagine that if we were to tell the story, we would tell it differently than God tells the story. But look with me at chapter 7. Let me just read it all. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. You are to take with you seven pairs, a male and its female, of the clean animals, and two of the animals that are not clean, a male and a female, and seven pairs, male and female, of the birds of the sky, in order to keep offspring alive throughout the earth. 7 days from now I will make it rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and every living thing that I have made I will wipe off the face of the earth and Noah did everything that the Lord had commanded him Noah was 600 years old when the flood came and water covered the earth so Noah his sons his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark because of the flood waters from the clean animals unclean animals birds and every creature that crawls on the on the ground Two of each, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, just as God had commanded him. Seven days later, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the day all the sources of the vast watery depths burst open, the floodgates of the sky were opened, and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that same day, Noah, along with his sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's wife, and three sons' wives, entered the ark with him. They entered it with all the wildlife according to their kinds, all the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that crawl on the earth according to their kinds, every flying creature, all the birds and every winged creature according to their kinds, two of every creature that had breath of life in it came to Noah and entered the ark. Those that entered, male and female, of every creature entered just as God had commanded them. Then the Lord shut him in. The flood continued for 40 days on the earth. The water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water surged and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark flooded, or floated on the surface of the water. Then the water surged even higher on the earth, and all the high mountains under the whole sky were covered. The mountains were covered as the water surged above them more than 20 feet. Every creature perished, those that crawl on the earth, birds, livestock, wildlife, those that swam on the earth, as well as all mankind, everything with the breath of life in its nostrils, everything on dry land died. He wiped out every living thing that was on the face of the earth from mankind to livestock to creatures that crawled, to the birds of the sky, and they were wiped off the earth. Only Noah was left, and those that were with him in the ark. And the water surged on the earth 150 days. By the way, if you wonder if God is saying what he means and means what he says, why would he give us so much detail if he did not? Why would he tell us the day of the month? Why would he tell us how old? Why would he tell us how deep the water was if he didn't mean what he said, And said what he means. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, we know. The Lord is coming. A flood is coming. That was the message of Noah. For over a hundred years, he preached in action, in word. He raised his family to believe in the message of God. Well, the Lord is coming. And the question is, what will we do until? What must we do before? And what will get us through it? How do we live knowing a flood is coming? How do we live in the midst of a flood, even like these things that we've talked about already? Write this down. Until the flood expectation. You wonder what the days of Noah were like they were not much different than our days, I have to say. They were such that even a faithful preacher, a faithful father, listen, didn't make a difference. Ezekiel prophecies, prophesies about similar days. It's very interesting, the words of Ezekiel. In chapter 14, verses 14 to 21, he says, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, He says down there, they could not rescue their son or daughter. He says only themselves. And then he says this there at the end of that passage. How much worse when I send four devastations or devastating judgments. And at the very end there in verse 21, he says, sword, famine, dangerous animals, and the plague. Does that sound familiar? Have you read the revelation? Kind of sounds like the four horses of the apocalypse, doesn't it? point being this. And Jesus says it too. Days are going to be like this. Jesus in Matthew 24 is talking about what the last days will be like. And he says, as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the son of man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. And they didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way of the coming of the son of man. And so what will we be doing in days like these? You know, they asked Jesus that question in John 6, verse 28. He says, they asked him, what can we do to perform the works of God? So if you're here this morning saying, well, what are we supposed to do in days like these? Jesus says in verse 29 of John 6, this is the work of God. Believe in the one he has sent. And you can define the work of God however you want. But that's the way Jesus defined it. Believe me. Believe means something. Write this down. Faith has feet. Can you say that? Faith has feet. He says, do it. This is the work. Faith that acts is what God wants from us. When an awful accusation comes, we don't turn the other way. We do something. And we live in expectation, accountability. And again, I come back to this 120 years that Noah was building the ark. From the moment of revelation until the realization of it, he's a husband and he's a father and he's a builder, and he's a preacher. And yet, only one thing is recorded. It's recorded twice, but it's the same thing. It's recorded in 6, verse 22, and chapter 7, verse 5, and it's this, Noah did everything the Lord commanded him to do. Again, if we were writing the story, we would talk about how hard it was. We would talk about the fact that people laughed at him. We would, talk, you know, we would talk about all of this stuff and we would make it all flowery and all of that. And that's all good and just. And then God just says, he did what I told him to do. What does God want from us until the flood, through the flood, after the flood? He wants us to do what he has said. Faith hears the word of God. Faith believes the word of God. Faith is motivated by a godly fear. And faith acts. So he had to build an ark. And so there are some principles here, and I know we're going a long way here, and we've not even started, and you're like, man, he's got more points than normal here. What are we going to do? Don't worry. We're going to get there. Verse 11 of chapter 6 says the earth was corrupt. That word sahat, it means a ruined state. It implies that the object is useless. By the way, that's what sin does. It ruins, it makes us useless. useless. And the state of the world was ruined and useless. And then it says that it was full of wickedness. Have you walked down our streets? Hamas is the word that means malicious violence. And it says in verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 12, that they had themselves corrupted their ways. Derek is the word. It means their journey. So think about this, in a world overrun by violence, ruined and useless, headlong down a journey to a full waste, what do we do? Noah was the only one in the world with God's favor, the only one. So what are we going to do in this ruined world on a wayward journey? Do we need to go out this afternoon to the Home Depot and start buying an Ark of Materials? No, that's not the point. Remember last week, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God told Noah some amazing things in Genesis 6. And so living in a world full of men of renown who had rejected God's authority, God sought one who would believe him and follow him. And God said to that one, build an ark. By the way, you should know, people, how in the world could we get all the animals in an ark? Remember, doesn't say how big the animals were, whether they were full-grown or anything like this. But you should know that the ark, if you put together the the, the instructions for building, it was a watercraft with 1.4 million cubic feet of space. That's the capacity of 522 railroad cars. It could hold 125,000 sheep-sized animals. That's half the size of the Titanic. That's large. And by the way, he said, no, would you build that for me? Just you. In a few years, you're going to have some kids and they can start joining you. I am going to bring a flood on the earth, verse 17 says, and I will destroy all life. And then God promised, but you will survive along with your family. And the animals, by the way, are just going to show up. They're going to show up at your house And you put them in the ark, and you stock up on food, and I will bring you through this. So, really what we have today is just principles of what pleases God. Because what pleases God is obedient faith. So here's principle number one. Noah believed what he had never heard of could be true. Hebrews 11:7 says by faith Noah after he warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear built an ark to deliver his family. We can't get through this flood if we don't believe God can. Before faith is acted upon it has to be received and believed. And, and and so Noah had to believe that it would rain when it likely had never rained before. And it certainly had never flooded before. And he had to believe that he could build this enormous ark. And he had to believe that once he built it, it would float. Remember chapter 5 tells us that Noah was 500 years old before his first three sons were born. And we know he was 600 when he entered the ark. So listen, God had set a timetable of 120 years before the flood. So that means that God spoke to Noah 20 years before he had kids, 120 years before the ark, and he told him, you're going to have sons, and your sons and their wives are going to be saved with you. And he made provision for these things. Provision for things that were not yet in existence They were not an expectation apart from the word and the will of God. We have to believe that God, listen, is a God who does things about which we have never heard. And then you get a pastor that says, we want to be a church that looks like heaven. We want to be a church that looks like Ferguson. And we look around and go, we can't do that. That's never been done in here before. We have to be a place that believes God can do things that we've never heard of. He is a God who parts the Red Sea, who makes the walls of Jericho fall down. He's a God that slays a giant with David's stone. He is a God who brings life from death. He's a God who completes unheard of, unbelievable tasks. He is a God who puts broken marriages back together. He is a God who brings happiness in the midst of sorrow. He is a God who gives a future to the wounded. He's a God who makes nobodies into central characters in his story. Somebody. Faith believes in the unseen. So let me show you how that happens. Notice that God did not tell Noah to build a boat. Did anybody notice that? He didn't tell him to build a ship. He told him to build something that he could not navigate. <laughs> Come on, see, you're, you're there with me. We're getting ready. Right, this is good right here. God told Noah to build an ark. The word tebah, T-E-B-A-H is the way it's transliterated, means a chest, a basket, a casket. Ah God told Noah to build a floating casket. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that the call of Christ is a call to come and die. Jesus said in Luke 9:23, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Faith believes that God's word is true, that God's instruction and directions are sufficient for his plans and his purposes. And God's ark, listen, God's ark is the place where our will dies. Faith is not a ship that God points us in a direction and says, sail there. Faith is where our sailing and our directing dies and where God has control. We just get in the ark full of faith, believing that what God commands will be true. Just gonna let that set. Noah believed God And he told the world and then he acted on the belief because principle number two is Noah did what God said. Remember, when this word came, Noah had no children. There were no animals. He had no way of knowing if it would rain or if the boat would float. He just knew what God said. And so Hebrews 11 says... Verse 7, by faith, Noah, in godly fear, built. What is it that's important to God? Genesis 6, God tells Noah what to do. And then not much else is written about the challenges and the difficulties and the trials and the rejection by a godless world. And that's not because those struggles don't matter to God. They do. But that's between us and God. What matters is that we do what God says. And so the only thing that is of note for 120 years is that Noah did. Say did. Noah did everything just as God commanded. And in chapter 7, he says, go into the ark with your family, take the animals, I'm going to send rain. And verse 5 says, Noah did everything that the Lord commanded. Listen, faith does Noah did? Asa means to produce. If you believe, then you will do. Noah did how much? Everything. Ah, I don't want that. I just want to do what I want to do and somehow ask God to bless it. Noah did everything. The word is kol, k o l. It means the whole. It means totality. God is calling us, God is calling our convention to do all the totality of what he commands. And so Hebrews eleven seven 7 again says, Noah built. That word means to make ready, to prepare, to furnish. Noah built. How? In godly fear. You, uh, the, the word there, uh, ulabeomai means to show reverence, to fear, to obey. We cannot separate the fear of God from obedience to God. can't separate them. They are inseparable. You know, often in worship services, we are full of people who sing and say, I worship you, and and, and who say, I stand in awe of you, and yet we do what we want to do. And our worship becomes a lie. We do not believe and we do not have faith. Because faith hears God and believes God before God does what he has promised. I'll say that one more time. Faith hears God and believes God and obeys God before God brings to fruition what he had promised. Faith acts. And so Noah began to provide a place. Think, think about this. Noah begins to find this place to prepare for animals that are nowhere to be seen. Noah began to build an ark before there was a place to float it. He was not on the seashore. Noah began to provide for a family that he did not have, for daughters-in-law who had not been born yet. And faith Acts on God's instruction. By faith, Noah built an ark because principle number three is Noah trusted God for the outcome. Listen, many of us don't do what God says because we just don't trust. God calls for a 1.4 million cubic foot ark and we want to build a dinghy. Well, God, I understand, but 1.4 million cubic feet? I mean, come on. Why are we building a church that size, Doug? You know, it's just me and my wife, and I got a dog and a cat, and I don't need an ark. That's a little too much over the top, God. I'll just build this instead. You don't have to say guilty. God asked for an ark. God asks us to surrender control to Him and build a casket to ourselves. But we want to build a cutter. Why do you want to build a casket? Wouldn't it be much prettier if it had sails on it? A mast, a rudder? How about a motor? And we try and give God better building instructions, somebody. We try to help him out. Now, I know that's not what you meant, God, because how are we going to do that? God does not need or want our ideas. He wants our obedience. And so Noah was not worried about what he couldn't do. Noah could not make it rain, but he could build an ark, and he could preach the word. He couldn't bring animals, but he could put the ones that God brought end of the ark. I'm not responsible for God's stuff. Can you say that? I'm not responsible for God's stuff. Wow. We spend a lot of time worrying about God's stuff. So many times we sit around waiting for God to move. Well, God, as soon as you do that, I'll start building. As soon as he proves himself, what else must he do to prove himself? Do what he's called us to do. Before the flood, there is preparation. By the way, Peter compares the work of Christ. We often quote uh, 1 Peter 3.18, and we take it out of its context. Not that it's not true all by itself, but there's a context there. And he's comparing the work of Christ to the work of Noah. And he says in First Peter three, eighteen to 20, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, made alive in the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. His point was that Jesus preached a message of I told you so to those who had rejected Noah's message and failed to enter the ark, but also that Christ Jesus died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, because he could bring us to God. Jesus Christ is the ark that we enter before the flood in order to survive the flood. The question is, will you enter? So principle number four is because he entered, Noah was carried through the storm. <laughs> I, I heard a story about a terrible thunderstorm and mother was tucking her little boy into bed that night and all kinds of noise outside and all of that. And she said, mommy, can, he said, mommy, mommy, will you, will you sleep in my bed tonight? And she's tucking him in. And she said, no, darling, I I can't. I have to stay with daddy tonight. (laughs) Little boy said, big baby. (laughs) You know, some folks say that faith, Christianity is a crutch. Well, folks, that's absolutely right. Because we are lame. And we need a crutch. But it's more than a crutch. It is the answer to make us whole, able to walk. And Noah needed an answer because there was a storm coming. And so again, Hebrews 11:7 says that the purpose of the ark was to deliver to save his family. What good is obedient faith if it doesn't get us through the storm? And so I'm here to tell you that, that, that faith sees us through the storm. That word in Hebrews eleven seven 7 is a beautiful theological word when it says it delivered his family. Soteria is the word. It means salvation. It means deliverance. If faith doesn't deliver, then it's worthless. But my Bible says it is by grace that you are saved through faith. Faith in the word of God. Faith in the provision of God. You know, David, King David, when he was dying... He stated his hope. And, you know, sometimes folks get toward the end of life and they try to begin to do math and said, well, I did this and I did that and I did the other thing. And I've heard people over the years when I talk to them, what are you going to do when you stand before God? And they're like, well, hopefully it's all going to balance out. And I'm like, no, it's not going to balance out. And David was at the end of his life and his hope was not in his works in his successes outweighing his failure. David says in Psalm 23:5, it is, is it not true that my house is with God for he has established a permanent covenant with me, ordered and secured in every detail. Will he not bring about my whole salvation and my every desire? People, it is faith that carries us through the storm and behind faith lies what we've always dreamed of. And so just like the most important things in Noah's life, we are saved by faith. So our greatest dreams are alive in Christ Jesus. Perhaps today you're facing a personal storm. And the flood and the waves and the winds are raging. And you are wondering if you can survive this. You can because God can. Because faith believes and acts and trusts and is carried through. Is carried through the flood because when the flood comes, listen, the flood that is coming is two sides of the same coin. Judgment and deliverance. Both sides of the same coin. The salvation of God is both judgment and deliverance. Everything God says is true, both the offer of deliverance and the promise of judgment. And so in Christ, in the ark, we can be saved and sustained, and apart from him, we are disconnected and destroyed. Both sides of the same message. Isaiah twenty-six twenty says, Go, my people, and enter your rooms and close your doors behind you and hide for a little while until the wrath has passed. And here's the last principle. Noah received the promises of God. Again, Hebrews 11 says, he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And we're going to see more when we get to chapter 9 in a couple of weeks of what God does for Noah. But here's the question. What is our part in this covenant agreement that God is making? Our part is the call to faith, Our part is to believe what he says because it is only through faith that we receive his righteousness. Romans 5, 17 says, If by the one man's trespasses, that's Adam, death reigned, then through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Psalm 24, 4 to 6 says, The one who has clean hands, and a pure heart who has not appealed to what is false, who has not sworn deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Noah heard God and he got busy building and preaching. And you know what? As far as we know, God didn't say anything else for 120 years. I I have a song that I actually wrote toward the end of the 90s, right before we got here. And the opening line says, about a half past never and a quarter till when. I wonder if ever I'll hear him again. Can't see where I'm going, but I know where I've been. The only thing that matters is that I obey him. It was from looking at Noah's story. And sometimes no rain comes. And we just go on because we know it's coming. And 120 years pass, and then the voice of the Lord comes again. And what does he say? Enter the ark. God calls us into an ark, listen, that we cannot steer, we cannot direct. It's simply relying on the grace of God. And so just like the ark, we can only get in and obey and trust God by faith as we surrender to him. And if we receive Christ by faith, then God sees us as righteous in our generation, and Noah did. And verse 10 says, seven days later, the floodwaters came. Again, King David knew that he would stand before God because of God's promise and God's provision. And he said, hasn't God ordered and secured it in every part? Think about it. I know we're, we're, we're just about done. To enter the ark, birds flew, horses galloped, elephants lumbered, snakes and snails crawled, Monkeys ran. They all got there one way or the other, but listen, they only got in through one door. The ark only had one door. And so does our hope. So does our salvation. I don't know how you got here, but Jesus is the only way there. Jesus is the only way to enter into the promises of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Listen, I don't know what God's calling you to do for him, but Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to advancement. He's the answer to your success as a parent. He's an answer to hope and a doorway into life in your marriage. And we have to believe him, and we have to act on what he has called us to do, and we have to trust him with what we cannot do and cannot imagine and let him carry us through. He is our soteria. He is our salvation and our deliverance. And you can believe his promise, and you can do what he's calling you to do. And Noah, listen. Can you tell me? Noah an amateur built the ark, professionals built the Titanic. One got through, the other one did not. God can do this through you. Believe Jesus. He is the doorway to more than you could ever imagine in your marriage and your family and your future and your career or a career change or retirement, whatever it is. Most of all though, it's forgiveness and salvation and eternity is in Jesus. And through Jesus and by Jesus. And so we have to die to ourselves and get in the ark with Jesus because, listen, if Jesus is in the boat, the boat's getting to the other side. Believe, act, trust, be saved, and receive the promise. Pray with me. This day has been full, but don't miss this opportunity. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, maybe you're watching us online, you've never trusted Christ. Can you trust him in this moment? Right now in this moment, can you say, yes, Lord? Can you say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I believe in you for salvation. I'm going through a storm, but I believe you can get me to the other side. Can you by faith for the first time receive his salvation? Can you by faith as a child of God say, Lord, I will walk with you where you say go, what you say do? We give you this moment. We'll have elders here, staff members here. If you need to come and say, I need to give my heart to Jesus Christ or I just prayed for the forgiveness of Christ and can you come and say, I'd like to be a part of this church. I'd like to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. If you need to just come and pray, we're gonna sing from that Psalm we just read, Psalm 24. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts.